What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast, our first podcast back in the new year of 2023, kicking it off with the UFC card this weekend, Strickland versus Imavov, a late notice uh, main event replacement. And I'm back with my man, as always, Ozzy. How we doing in this new year, my man? Yeah, happy new year. Back uh, first uh, first card of the year. Obviously, I think we're coming up on a, like a one-month break, more or less, or five weeks or so. So, you know, a lot of people got antsy. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff on MMA Twitter. You know, but, a lot, uh, a lot of stuff. So, but we're here. We're 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 uh you know first event of the year, and uh, hoping to make it uh you know to to open it up well. You know, I I thought for January cards, I'm kind of used to them. You know, making them a little bit bigger cards. I feel like you know sometimes they would do them. They'd be in like Abu Dhabi already or whatever it is. A little bit of a weaker card, I think. You know, to start off. But uh, you know, interesting, you know, nonetheless, you know, like a it's like a whole new season, you know. Usually, there's no off season. It's like you know, week to week. When you have like a five weeks off, you kind of think about you know what you've done, kind of looking forward, and then you know, looking into that first wave of of fights of the year for the year. Yeah, a lot of good points brought up there. Um, first of all, the the MMA. Uh, you know, drama situations going on, just an endless, endless supply of uh, of crazy shit going on in the MMA Twitter betting sphere. Um, it's been great to witness. Um, but um, we are, of course, referring to the downfall of Lock of the Night um, and, uh, you know, witnessing that in all of its glories, the Trotman files. If you haven't seen them, you got a lot of research to catch up on. Um, and then good point about, uh, you know, last year, the, the first card of the year last year, though, we started off hot. Remember, we started off with uh, Court McGee and uh, Calvin Kerr picking up some underdog victories in the first card of the year. Bill Algio was in that card winning as an underdog, too. So I've got some faith, some, some good vibes heading into this card. I think the matchups are any good. I mean, a lot of contender series guys making their debuts. Uh, but I do have some, you know, betting thoughts and some some bets I'll definitely be placing as we get closer to fight night. I already have a few. Um, but the last event we did was almost, you know, four weeks ago. Was a, a small win for me, 1.2 unit win for me. Um, had a couple of bad beats there with uh, Saeed Yacoub, Moneyline. Don't know what happened there. And Albazi uh, on his way to winning the decision, uh, you know, knocking him out there. But um. Scraped away a, a small profit on the year, 6.3 units profit with a, a whopping 2% ROI. I'll take it. You know, it's profit. Um, definitely uh, ups and downs throughout the year, but I'm um, feeling good going into this year. And nice to have a break and get rejuvenated a little bit. Uh, what about you, Ozzy? Yeah, so last event, uh, best bet one in that, uh, you know, Morozov and uh, Journey Newsom goes the distance. Um, didn't get there with any of the straight bets. Um, you know, I, I personally, you know, I, I, I score the fight for Sean Strickland. I bet him as well at plus money, but I thought that he won that fight. Obviously, you know, a bunch of the rounds, you know, it could kind of, you know, are in a lot of the gray area. Uh, just a little bit more than break even on that event. Uh, finished a year, unfortunately, down just about eight units on the year. Uh, mostly on the straight plays. Um, you know, on on props was was uh, definitely profitable. But uh, you know, just you know, towards the end of the year, a few fights didn't go you know a certain way. Uh, you know, ran bad on a few of them. I thought that I would still get pretty good lines on most of them, but just kind of process was off and you know those like four to eight 
matchups that you kind of need flipped, you know, didn't go my way that, that year or the, uh, in 2022. Um, but, you know, not not a crazy loss in terms of overall outlay, uh, but definitely uh, looking to turn that around in 2023. Yeah, obviously only track bets mean so much. Um, we're, you know, constantly adding bets, you know, as the cards are going, live bets. And, um, you know, what what it really matters in the day is your own spreadsheet, uh, the own profit and uh, and loss that you guys know, uh, that you guys, you know, track independently, not necessarily what's on BetMMA. BetMMA is just, uh, you know, a loose indicator of all things. Um, but enough, enough recap, enough uh, filler. We're going to get into these fights, 12 fights. Uh, and we're kicking things off. Uh, we're starting off motherfucking hot here. Priscilla Cachoeira, Sajara Eubanks in the women's flyweight division. The line here, Sajara, minus 245, Cachoeira, plus 210. Um, you know, this seems like a pretty binary matchup. And I feel like everybody in the world is thinking, oh, either Sajara takes her down and, you know, finishes her on the ground or or uh, Eubanks gasses out and, and Cachoeira knocks her out on the feet. I mean, it seems like people are smashing the under, Eubanks. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I mean, when f- everyone has the same consensus opinion on a fight, it goes pretty quickly, I feel. And I think this could potentially, um, you know, devolve into a sloppy decision type of fight, back and forth fight. Um, I mean, Eubanks, you know, she should have all the skill in the world to take her down and finish her. But Cachoeira, she's an enigma. I mean, her skill sucks, but she still somehow overperforms and wins fights. I think she honestly overperforms overperforms in like every one of her fights. I mean, Lipsky, I mean, probably better like technically than her, but Cachoeira just, you know, blitzed her through some hands. The next thing you know, one by, you know, 60 second knockout. So uh, I, I'll i be cheering for Cachoeira to pull off something, you know, miraculous here. Sajara, man, she, she fucking sucks. She's seven and seven. She constantly struggles with making weight. She's going back up between 125 and 135. She's never really settled. And at a certain point, uh, I, I know she's a good grappler, but she's 37. She has trouble making weight. Her cardio is extremely inconsistent. And then, you know, she's just a a, a middle-tier 7-7 seven and seven fighter at this point. So I don't think you can be laying juice on her, especially not at minus 200. Um, and I think that uh, I honestly hope that Cachoeira pulls off some shit and knocks her out in late rounds because Sajara deserves to lose. She is not New York certified, uh, in my opinion, Ozzy. I would like to hear your opinion on it. Uh, yeah, I don't think she has any relation to New York. I think maybe a little bit of New Jersey. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Sajara came over to, to, to MMA from uh, the jiu-jitsu scene where, she, you know, she won a lot. You know, she was in a lot of the training rooms. That, that is her base. In the UFC, she hasn't always been one, either a consistent, you know, uh, wrestler or just, I don't know, is you know, maybe a little bit harder for her to, to get these submissions on girls, you know, after weight cuts and stuff like that. Now, I have no idea what weight class this is in. You know, I do, I would say it matters, but I think it's 25. been, it's at 125. Okay, so both girls have a hard time making making this weight. You know, Sajara is a bully, but if she starts getting tired, you know, at all, she will not be able to stop the avalanche that is Priscilla Cachuera. and. I mean, I would bet on that to happen, you know, at some point, you know, but the thing is, Cachoeira, there's just like a big, you know, a reaction uh, deficit here if they do start grappling. So that's the, uh, not a fight that I like to bet, but if I were to bet, I would bet one of these girls to get finished. So I don't know what the under is, maybe it doesn't start around three, something like that, um, because, uh, 
I just I could see either of them get a finish, but I'm not. This is a trash fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think maybe Eubank <laughs> sub one. Fight. Eubank sub one is yeah, what uh, plus six hundred. Plus six hundred, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. is not bad. Maybe, um, maybe sub two. I think I honestly think I mean the the Gatto. Oh, one last point I'll make is rewatching the Gatto fight this week. I mean, she takes Gatto down and ends up on top of her in twenty nine seconds, and she lays on top. She uh, Gatto's in guard the, the entire time. And round two, Starks and, and Eubanks gassed. Hey, she did nothing. Me, she did nothing. You, t- you telling me you wouldn't lay on Gatto for as long as she wanted? I just don't yeah. know how she got exactly. tired from that. She had exactly. to defend a fucking Kimura one time. <laughs> You'd be tired too up there, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, fair point, uh, considering that Gatto is a better threat than uh, than Cachuera is. I could talk about this fight for hours, though. This shit is lit. Uh, I'm fucking sure you could. <laughs> Next fight, flyweight division, men's this time. Jimmy Flick, Charles Johnson. Uh, Jimmy Flick making his UFC comeback here. Uh, Charles Johnson, minus 330. Jimmy Flick, two, plus 270. You think Flick uh, coming out of his uh, retirement is going to be anything uh, of a problem for Charles here? I mean, Jimmy Flick, you know, he's coming back to defend his belt. He is the linear um, flyweight champion of the LFA. You know, and Charles Johnson, you know, he picked up that strap after Jimmy, you know, put it down for them. Um, So this is, you know, obviously a regional, you know, world title fight. So respect <laughs> to both these guys, you know, for making this money fight happen. And I'm intrigued. You know, obviously you got guys making videos talking about betting, betting scandals on this fight. So this fight moves a needle. You know, I know Dana White slapped up his his wife, uh, you know, a few days ago. But this fight right here is moving the needle as well. In this uh, fight week, so you know, my eyes are definitely on it. Um, you know, I like Jimmy Flick. You know, he's a very opportunistic grappler. He's he's you know, if you look at that fight against, he had a who's that guy, the fish guy, Greg Fish, something like that, Fisher. Fisher, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty fucking sick that uh transition there and charles johnson he just i mean you know i i felt so lucky to get away with a win in his last fight I, obviously you as well but you know i feel like i deserved it after losing on zimogulov versus hold up hold up i i lie bet him at plus 800 you. though you bet him Perfect. pre-fight didn't you yeah yeah bro one in the same okay one in the no same. no 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 plus By the way, we both got lucky you just got more lucky uh... For you, you see, that's the no, kind of guy no, you are. I, you're the, you're that kind of guy that if somebody takes a girl home, you're talking about who, right? Yeah, okay. But look, <laughs> he won the fight, okay, and we both lost uh, when we had Zumagulov against Jeff Molina. So I feel we were paid off there. Obviously, I had thousands more on Zumagulov that night, but I felt a little bit more whole. But the point is, Martian, before you rudely interrupted me, Charles Johnson <laughs> just doesn't get going. He looks a little fragile in there. He kind of like sometimes if he's not completely, you know, on the offensive, he's looking a little shaky in there. You know, it happened in the Moda fight as well. And then he'll kind of like get the fight back. But again, Jimmy Flick, like, you know, I don't know why people are so down on Jimmy Flick. I, I feel like they're treating him like he's Derek Minner, bro. They're like, if he's just a quitter, you know, he sucks. Like he's, you know. No, this guy's pretty talented. So I mean, Paul Craig. Yeah, like that. Exactly. If I was getting, you know, I don't really, this card kind of snuck up on me, but if I was getting in the 300s still on Jimmy Flick, I would take a shot on it. But maybe I'll take a little stab on the, by submission and, you know, call it a day. But Charles, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like he can make a bad decision in there and 
you know, have Jimmy Flick all over his neck. So, um, what do you think about our boy Gugabe's comparison? He's like a Bobby Green say? archetype. Yeah, I mean, Thea uh, uh, is good. He is. I it mean, applies. He, is. It applies. he doesn't yeah. hit very hard as well. I mean, thing. He just no. That's the thing, bro. That's a, that's that's a great point. Is is the over in this fight, bro? Is is crazy. I mean, you just said he doesn't hit hard. I agree. I mean, I, I do get the vibe that Flick you know, uh, might kind of shell up at a certain point. But, I mean, the the fight going the distance is plus 200, which at flyweight is just insane. I think Charles is good enough to avoid the submissions. And I think, you know, Flick should be tough enough and scrappy enough to hang in there for uh, a while. So I I think the goes the distance is the best bet on the fight. I don't think uh, any Johnson bets at this point are any value. I mean, his his KO line is plus one ten. Are you kidding me, guys? Wait, when has Charles Johnson ever in a three round fight ever knocked anybody out and looked like super replicable? I mean, I, it might have happened a few times back in his early career, but I don't understand that this line at plus one ten for KO. Um, I, they're just like you said, they're treating Flick like he's just a bum who's gonna get you know hit one time and curl up. I don't think though. I think he's in a fight. I think he's gonna, you know, try to battle through something. I can definitely see him having a good start here and maybe fading away as the fight goes. But I'll I'll be on the those the uh I'll probably do the over two and a half instead of the GTD. I guess it does have potential to finish late, but I mean they're pricing this this under at a crazy price in my opinion. You you, you agreeing? Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next fight, uh, people are talking about this one all around the world. Highly anticipated. Dan Argetta, Nick Ag- Aguirre, I think his name is. Um, uh, Argetta minus 600, Aguirre plus 425. Uh, both guys coming from the Illinois wrestling scene. Um, you know, Argetta definitely better accomplishments, better record. And it's, you know, this Aguirre guy takes people down and finishes them and just fought six or seven bums, finished them all instantly. And he's in the UFC by an extreme stroke of luck. Uh, I think Argetta is just a few steps ahead in, in all areas. And, you know, we'll win the fight uh, wherever it goes, probably devolving into a bit of a sloppy grappling fight. But um, I haven't even looked at the props for this fight. And do you have any thoughts on this one at all? I have no idea. I haven't looked anything on this fight. All I know is I think these guys have some kind of connection. They know each other a little bit from, like, that Illinois scene. Don't know anything about this Nick guy. Uh, we don't find out. Yeah, I mean, like if you watch tape, you don't learn anything. I mean, I, I just described it to you. He takes people down, bums, and finishes them. He, fought, I think he fought Jay Ellis. Uh, you know the Jay. Uh, uh, him as well. Him as well. No, no, no. This is. No, I'm thinking of a different guy. That might be the, uh, later say. in the card. Yeah, I um, mean, overall, I mean, I just I I like um, Rigetta overall. You know, he's kind of the f- kind of fighter, like, he could, he's like Ricardo Lamas, just without the refinement, I feel, is what his, like, best case scenario is. He's just not as uh savvy right now. I don't know. He's just kind of like a meathead wrestler. So, he get, yeah. kind of gets hit clean, but he'll also, when he does throw, he is pretty dangerous. I'm going to have like, to look at Or like the- Brian I- Kelleher. Him versus Brian Kelleher would be a good fight. Yeah, because he... T- he traditionally fights at thirty five, right? Oh, no, yeah, maybe, but I like maybe. the one forty. I like the one forty five. I, I I was just talking to one of my friends. He he used to fight at one thirty five. Just talking, and he was like, "Man, I told him I was like, man, you should have fought at one forty five. You would have been a freaking animal." So yeah, I totally agree. I, yeah, I don't I know like much that. about this one. I don't have a confidence. I guess Argetta will will 
and then without much short difficulty. Kings. But the, the yeah, prop, stick the with the short print. kings, Marsha. Yep. Um, e three guy also Diana Argetto. We like that. Um, next fight, flyweight division and men's. Uh, Alan Nascimento, Carlos Hernandez. Nascimento, big favorite here, minus three thirty. Hernandez, plus two seventy. Uh, you're trying to start this one off. You got any thoughts here? I like these guys. I like these guys a, a bit. You know, Carlos Hernandez did, you know, mess up my boy Vic. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Vic's. actually thought there was a case to be made very low-key that Vic won that fight, but a lot of people weren't looking to hear it, and I didn't really care that much. So I didn't make it. But, um, yeah, I mean, Carlos Hernandez is pretty well-rounded. He, uh, he, he has, like, a lot of experience in, like, that amateur MMA you know, it's kind of weird to always like do that year over year, in my opinion. But you know, he did it, and then he went pro, and right, he's winning. Um, and he's well rounded, but he's just kind of like low athletic ceiling. Now, Ali Nascimento, he he just like a bat, like a guy that is tough for me to have faith with, but he ends up looking value like every time he fights. So you know, you kind of always are inclined to want to uh, uh, play him because, like, you know, he sometimes, like, he doesn't really forget to grapple. That's the thing. Like, he will always do that, but then he just doesn't always grapple, like, uh, efficiently to win the fight. But he's pretty skilled everywhere. He's a long-rangey flyweight. Um, I kind of like the Hernandez side more, you know, or maybe thinking about playing him live. Just because I feel like Alan Asimento, his style is not as good if he, like, he's not a controlling guy. So he's kind of like a go with the flow guy when he, like, if he does get you on the ground. So if Carlos Hernandez can defend a few, you know, a, a bit, a few transitions, you know, keep them grappling, moving around, I feel like he could definitely win these later rounds. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards him. You know, and even, you know, especially at the underdog price, I thought it was going to be a little, a bit closer lined, but I could definitely see Nascimento submitting him for sure. Yeah, I actually, uh, I think it's a pretty clear Hernandez or pass in the money line. And I think I would actually be a little surprised by um, the sub. Uh, I know Hernandez can be put in bad positions, especially when he gets taken down. He does tend to give up his back, but, um, you know, Nascimento, um, I just don't think he's that high level of a, a submission grappler, especially in terms of when he's on top. He's really good, uh, you know, off his back uh, with his guard. You know, if you if you are ever fighting a, a wrestler, I would not want to be uh, betting on that wrestler because Nascimento is just nasty at tying guys up and, uh, you know, reverse in position, doing damage from the bottom and just being really pesky on bottom like he was um, in that two year fight. Um, which, you know, a lot of people had him win in that fight. Um, and then he just, you know, dominated a Hadley in this last i just think the market tends to be a little too high on him here uh i think hernandez is gonna be probably the better striker overall i mean i think it, it'll be close in the feet but i do think hernandez is more comfortable and cleaner and the guy's been in competitive back and forth fights that went to the decision lately uh the bears fight and the altamirano fight you know both you know solid fighters um and the fact that he came out on top winning those decisions in competitive fights you know means a lot because i think this will be a competitive fight i think uh he's a got good experience in the third round of fights. And uh, I think if Allen isn't able to just take him down and blanket him on the ground over and over again, I think this fight's going to play a lot, lot closer than the line indicates. And I'm actually on the, uh, the goes to distance here. 
Uh, I think that Allen sub is really the only finish threat we have to worry about. Um, Allen KO doesn't seem uh, really plausible at all. And Hernandez just doesn't hit hard himself and, you know, should be at a jujitsu disadvantage as well. So I think that him subbing Allen would be unpredictable. So I really only see one possible finisher and that will be Allen sub. And I just don't think it's, uh, you know, near 40% like the line indicates. So I'll happily take that GTD and I'm likely going to add a a small uh, money line bet on Hernandez as well. That's going to take us to the next fight in the Bantamweight division. A lot of lower weight fights in these uh, early prelims. Uh, Contender Series guy coming off or making his UFC debut, Mateus Mendoza, taking on Javid Basharat. Basharat, big favorite at minus 305. Mendoza, plus 255. Uh, I I don't really have many thoughts about this fight. I, I taped Mendoza, and the guy looks pretty spastic, and he had that goofy KO on the Contender Series. And his, um, Brazilian regional fights just look like crazy chaotic fights where it's just your typical Brazilian brawler um, and just not a whole lot of refined skill. And he also nearly Whoa, got knocked Stereotype. <laughs> um, he was nearly knocked out in one of his fights. I forgot. I think it was the Nobre fight. Um, like he was, he was like inches away from being knocked out in the first round of that fight. So I don't know. I don't think this guy's going to be winning many UFC fights and especially not against Basharat. That would be a pretty huge upset. I honestly think it's like favorite or pass. I think if Mendoza is winning, it's it's without a doubt going to be by inside the distance. There's no way he's winning a decision over Basharat. So um, you might as well just take the extra few dollars on Mendoza ITD plus 500. But even then, I don't think it's a good bet. I think this is going to be uh, all Javid here. It's just a matter of if it's going to be decision or ITD. Um, don't really have an opinion on one of those. Maybe I'll do some uh, more research into the props here, but Mendo or uh, Basharat should roll here. So it's Mendonca, right? It's Mendonca. No, Men- Mendoza. Oh, it's Mendonca. So Mendonca, <laughs> I mean, he he kind of he's kind of like like Marlon Marais, Shaman Marais, like he's like kind of like that kind of fighter. But here, just give me the under. I'll take the under here because. I could see maybe Mendonca like either hit, hitting Javid because Javid's kind of like a counter guy as well. So you know sometimes these counter guys they get fucking too uh, too confident and they get fucking blasted. And as well, you know he's got that long ass neck, so I could see him definitely getting guillotined, something like that. Or I could see him out grappling Mendonca. Mendonca kind of given you know hasn't really been too late many fights um and i feel like he will also at some point have some offense that will kind of tire him out a little bit and you know this dude this dude javid he's kind of like a chip away chip away guy but he knows how to find a finish i think if if a guy's very tired especially so uh, i'll take the under at, i like that thought yeah like pick him price I bet that I two and a half too. Yeah, I I honestly thought when you said that I was thinking it was one and a half, but two and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Good. I mean, Mendoza seems like a killer be killed type of guy, and I just think gonna be out. He's throwing. A few he's not. Here. This dude's not coming. Most like their stereotype. Most these Brazilians when they come in, man, they they come in to fight. Like, <laughs> in my he's opinion. not soft cocking in. Like these guys, these guys are they're gonna throw hands if 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 uh. If you're in their face so uh, javid he's like doing that in and out stuff but i, f- I think they're gonna exchange and if it's gonna happen he's gonna hit the floor 
what I think is a little wild to think. Uh, actually, no. Uh, Javi was only minus one sixty five against uh, Gravely. I'm saying I was gonna say he's not even that much of a bigger favorite against this guy than he was Gravely, but he is. So, um, next fight, another debut fight. Both guys making their debut lightweight division. Uh, Mateusz Rebecki taking on Nick Fury. Um, the liner for this one: Rebecki minus eight hundred, Fury plus five fifty. I'm sure uh, the pronunciation isn't too good on this one as well. When, uh, they were they were pronouncing this guy's name on contenders like Rubeki or something. I don't know how Polish works, but I don't know how you get an ooh sound in that name. But anyway, Rubeki's going to absolutely dumpster this guy. Um, Fiori, complete fake fighter. Um, uh, he's he's a role player right now in the UFC, and he's probably going to get beat up a few times before going back to the regionals uh, without a win. So I think Rubeki. Uh, you know, finish might even be value here, minus 225. I mean, on the feet, on the ground, Rebecca should win and finish any way he wants. So um, seems like a matter of when the finish is coming. I think it'll probably be round one. This is a funny fight because when I saw it said Nick Fiore, I'm like, what? The Nick Fiore that, um, that would fight like Ring of Combat. But then it so happened that there are two Nick Fiores, one from Massachusetts and one from like the New York area. They both fight MMA, and they're both in the same weight class. I would bet on the New York Nick Fiore beat this guy. And they so both so happen to be like Henzo Black Belts. Like, this guy, this is the thing that I don't trust about the New England fight, you know, scene. All these guys have, like, these records that I just don't get, like, who's thinking that this is, like, a good idea to put it together like this? I don't know. But point being... You know, I I just don't see UFC level kind of, you know, skills from Fiore. I feel like it's the guy who could maybe if he had maybe like three, four more fights. But he's going against Rebecca, who Rebecca's Polish, right? He's he's kind of and, and I think he did some of his camp maybe before his contender series fight at ATT. And that ATT Polish pipeline has been pretty solid overall. And I think he he kind of delivered pretty easily. In his contender fight, and these Polish guys, I don't know what's what what their diet is. They got some good cardio, man. A lot of like, I don't know if you saw um, that guy Pedro Carvalho. He fought another one of these Polish guys. Looks just like Rebecca, and this guy just wouldn't get didn't get tired. And I don't know, they're like pretty good grappler grapplers, tough as fuck, cardio. So yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna try to work something in with this fight finishing. Rebecca finishing him. But maybe, you know, I think it's a volatile fight potentially because, you know, these dudes, they do make mistakes sometimes. But it's a weird fight. Rebecca yeah, um, should not be fighting this potatoes, guy. Potatoes, potatoes and cabbage. Rebecca way, should not be fighting cabbage. this guy, man. Like a 6 and 0 guy. Right? How, how many fights does Fiore have? Like six? Yeah, yeah. Fiore would be good for like the ultimate fighter. Yeah, or just let them keep racking up some some fake like the, wins. Those are the kind of guys that you want to get on the Ultimate Fighter, like guys that are like looking for the fast track in UFC. You got like six, seven fights. Yeah, okay, you if you want to do it that way, where you're like racking up these fights against bums, so the perfect guys are for the Ultimate Fighter. Just make it like maybe more lucrative. I don't know. I don't like these kind of guys getting short notice fights against real guys, but whatever. All right, the next fight's going to be in the middleweight division. We got another contender series guy making his UFC debut, Claudio Ribeiro, taking on Abdul Razak Al Hassan. 
the line for this one, a near pick them. Ribeiro slate favorite minus 115, Al Hassan minus 105. You got any thoughts on this middleweight fight? Yeah, I looked at um, Claudio for his contender fight a little bit. I think I went against him there. Didn't really learn anything other than obviously the guy does have fight ending power at any time. I think he's got power in both his hands. Um, I think you have seen him, you know, land some pretty big knees as well, throws kicks. You know, he's just kind of like, uh, like kind of like a freestyle fighter, I guess I would uh, describe him as. But someone who kind of he takes like the back foot a little bit, or, like goes second a little bit in the in the grappling exchanges. So I think he is a guy that could be taken down. But he's always gonna be like that kind of like dynamic guy, like Michelle Pereira or you know fighters like that, where you know they could land a fight-ending blow from any kind of position, and you know you you shouldn't be surprised. Um, Al Hassan, on the other hand, you know obviously this is up at 185, so he's not cutting down to 170 anymore. Um, he's shown obviously he's got power, he's got good kicks. Um, he's been showing a little bit more of a strategic approach, I think, in some of his uh, more recent fights. But also, you know, it's not like a guy that you you know 100% trust overall. But I think here, you know, him being a pick'em price. I think it's solid here. You know, it is a situation where he is getting older and he is a guy who he's not the most durable in terms of one shot. I think he can take, you know, damage and punishment, but he is still susceptible to like a big one shot knockout. So I think Claudio could find the button there and he's never won a fight by decision as well, even though, you know, his last fight, you know, it did look better in his conditioning. So it's trepidatious on both sides. I think Al-Hassan, you know, is the right side probably going into it. I think I'm going to have a little uh, wager on him. But, you know, I do sometimes get guys like Claudio wrong or it's just variance when you have a guy like him. And it's not the most X's and O's wise. It's not the best matchup for Al-Hassan because he is probably going to be available to be uh, hit by stuff. But I'll side with him. That being said. I am actually excited to bet on Abdul Razak Al Hassan. And um, this is something I started doing a little bit better uh, towards the end of the year is, you know, just having less preconceived notions about fighters. And I know Razak has looked, um, he's like, what, one in five in his past six fights or something like that. Just looked pretty bad lately. And he's overall just not a good fighter. But um, this is a, I mean, he was in the UFC for several years and he's fighting a consistent UFC level competition. Of course, he's going to look, you know, not so great. If you put Rubiero against those same amount of guys, you know, he looks just is awful if not worse and watching ribiero's fights before the contender series i mean his most recent fight before he got to the ufc yeah he was fighting a guy um kelly's albuquerque who is um 25 and 21 that's his record currently he's 40 years old and he took the first two rounds off of ribiero pushing him against the cage, grappling him, taking him down. Ribeiro just doesn't seem to have any idea on how to defend takedowns or keep his back off the cage. And even his best uh, attribute, which is offensive striking, I mean, I really don't even think that is that good. I think this guy just swarms people, hits hard, and, you know, knocked a few people out. But that's what Abdul Razak Al-Hassan does, too. And I think he actually has, like, a brown belt in judo. He's been fighting at the higher level for a lot longer. And I just think that this line is just recency bias. Like, Ribeiro, oh, what a crazy knockout in the contender series. Razak is 1-4 in his last five. Oh, Ribeiro should roll. I think that's really what a lot of people are thinking here. But uh, Ribeiro just screams fraud to me. 
and uh, I recognize he, he could definitely knock Abdul out in round one here, but Ribeiro winning the fight outside of, of knockout would, would surprise me. And I think the later the fight goes, it should favor the more uh, experienced guy in Abdul and who actually, you know, maybe showed a little bit of improvement in his cardio in his last fight, winning around three versus uh, Joaquin Buckley and almost winning a decision outright against Buckley there. So I'm excited to bet on Abdul here. I think it'll be a, a probably one and a half unit play. Uh, you know, risky, high variance fight, but I uh, actually like the Al Hassan side here. And that's going to bring us to the first fight on the main card, first main card of the year, and kicking things off with Umar Nurmagomedov taking on Hayoni Barcelos. Insane line here. Umar minus 1,000, Barcelos plus 700. Um, I mean, Barcelos is a really solid fighter. I mean, I would give him like a B plus across the board in all areas. And I know he's. He's pretty old at this point. I think he's like 35. Um, probably got to the high level of the MMA a little bit too late. But the guy's still a really good fighter. And I just don't see anywhere why any reason why he's plus 700 here. Um, obviously, Umar is likely to uh, initiate the grappling, uh, try to take him down, grind him against the cage, push him against the cage, and kind of just like clinch and hang on to a victory here. But I don't know, man. It, if you look at Hayoni's recent fights, like does he fit? Had he looked bad against any grapplers? No. Has he fought and lost to any grapplers? Not since 2014, where he got choked out in a fight. But I mean, Hayoni's a really good fighter everywhere. He's never been out grappled in the UFC. He's never been anywhere near this a level of an underdog. You know, maybe we're talking ourselves into wolf tickets here and getting our high hopes up uh, for Barcelos. He might just get neutralized and, and grappled to a decision here, but this line just seems insane to me that you're getting, uh, you know, a, a high quality fighter at plus seven hundred. No matter who the opponent is in that situation, I think that you got to be taking a shot on the dog here. So, um, you know, we'll definitely have a bet on Hayoni here. Are you sharing the same sentiment? I don't know, but hell yeah, I love this fight. Another one in the books. Hopefully for the. Russia versus Brazil rivalry. Um, you know, I think Hayoni has a better shot than a lot of his other Brazilian compatriots, such as um, Patricky Pitbull, who somehow, did you see Patricky Pitbull is in that eight-man? That, that tournament, yeah. Ah, bro, let it go. So is Benson Henderson, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know, man. Something that, you know... It's MMA, it's like, you know, I know it's easy to get attached to some of these fighters. It's like you should be like a general manager in these other sports, right? They'll have their guy, right? Like their 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 uh, running back who's really good. After a while, you just have to move on from him and get a new motherfucker in there. Like me, I just move on to the next fighter. All right, Grand Austin, that's my guy. Drick is Duplessis, this is my guy. People hang on to Tony Ferguson way too late, and then they lay juice on him against Nate Diaz, and it's like he just never pays off for you. You know what I'm saying? So you just, you know, and then this next new year, I think we should all do a better job of doing that. Um, but that being said, <laughs> with this fight with Hayoni Barcelos, um, you know, I think he, I thought he looked good against uh, what's his name? Um, what's that guy's name? The last guy he beat up, Trevin Jones. He beat Trevin Jones up easily, you know, all over him. And I'm going to be interested how Umar approaches the fight. You know, he's kind of southpaw there, but, you know, does he push the grappling or is he like, you know, tentative? So it's going to depend on who can control the fight, who can go first. I think, I think skill for skill, 
You know, I think Kyrone could definitely hang at the highest level. I just think he needs to kind of get to his, uh, you know, offensive, you know, maneuvers first, you know, how he wants it, control the pace. But, you know, I think people are holding that uh, Victor Henry fight too much against him because I don't really think that Usman or Umar, Omar is going to push the fight at any point like that. So I think that is moot. Fuck no. These Russians need to lose, though. Like, you saw my boy Patchy Mix. He put up with a Northeast fella, and he didn't make it out there uh, conscious. And, you know, always hoping for I do rooting for the Russians to lose. I do feel like a little bit of a vibe of maybe uh, Demir and Armand here where just Armand just not, we're just going to consistently get, I don't think it's going to be like a, a bodying like that was, but I could see um, just Umar just clinging onto him holding from the back and somehow winning the decision in anticlimactic form. Like, like, like Charles Johnson versus Malkayev. Like yeah, yeah, that's shit. Um, exactly. Very, almost identical. Um, sure, but I honestly yeah. think, I don't know, man. I think Barcelos is a better chance than, than Johnson did in that fight. Um, anyway, we're, we're moving on. We're getting into some good fights here. Uh, not this next one, but eventually. Um, Ketlin Vieira taking on Raquel Pennington. Actually, I take that back. I, I fuck with Rocky. Definitely one of the, the, the better women on the roster to watch. Uh, maybe not to watch, but to bet on for sure. She's consistent. Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. We just we just raped our ears there for a second with some static. Um anyway, uh Bantamweight division. Uh Ketlin Vieira taking on Raquel Pennington. The line for this one, pick them or actually no. Some action coming in on Vieira, minus one twenty five, Raquel Pennington plus one oh five. Uh you got any thoughts on this one? Could you actually go first Mike on that one? Can you actually go first? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so man, I, I like Rocky here. I mean, I just think that um, she, she's constantly in competitive decisions with, with women. I know that she typically only wins 29, 28. It's not like there's a whole lot of clear upside here, but I, I do think she's the better boxer than Ketlin. And I think that Ketlin really relies on pushing women to the cage, using her size and kind of neutralizing them against the cage. But Raquel is very comfortable in that position. She's got really good understanding of the clinch positions. And I just think like, you never have to worry about her making mistakes in the clinch. She always knows when to get the overhook. She always knows when it's to trade the position. And she's just very comfortable in those clinch battles where I think this fight is destined to end up. And she's going to be landing good knees to the body in there. She's going to be landing some punches on the break. And uh, I do feel that the Vieira has the bigger, um, like, dominant upside in the fight with maybe a takedown or two uh that could look bad for raquel if she gets taken down but she's got historically good takedown defense and it's not like Vieira is a consistent wrestler herself so um i don't think you can be like super confident in here laying multiple units on raquel but i i think that she should be a slight favorite in this fight um so i think you know one unit on her money line at the current price is appropriate and i just think that she's going to win this you know close battle of a decision i expect it to be a 29-28 for for rocky here interesting interesting this is a fight that you've thought about uh, a decent amount right am i right or have a strong opinion yeah as much as one as much as one could no no i wouldn't go as, as far much to say as strong. one could you, um, you you could a lot i've seen you rack your brain over some of these fights so. nah this one you only can do so much okay. you really only can okay so anyway so i mean i thought this is a pretty interesting fight you know i was kind of surprising that these girls hadn't fought yet obviously raquel he she's been you know she, she like you said she's very consistent she 
Um, you know, you can always depend on her to have three rounds of cardio. You could always uh, depend on her to, for the most part, other than Holly home fight, you know, throw, a, you know, throw at a decent rate. You know, she's strong. She's pretty durable. Um, and she has like a low variance style overall. So, um, you know, I think I bet on her last like three, three, maybe four fights. Um, but in this fight, I kind of like Catlin Vieira more because I kind of like made it, um, uh, not like a tried and true rule, but I like getting the better grappler in these women's MMA fights. You know, when they're kind of in that clinch, that's the thing. You know, Raquel has been controlling these girls in the clinch very well, but not a lot of them have been very, very, you know, good grapplers. And even against a girl like Aspen Ladd, who Aspen Ladd, you know, when she's fighting, she's like not very active. She's like kind of not as dangerous as like a girl like Catlin, who I think the fights against Misha Tate and Holly Holm, I've kind of thrown people a little bit off the scent of, you know, Ketlin's actually a much more dangerous girl than I think a lot of these girls at 135. You know, she she does have some power when she throws, and she obviously has the best ground game out of any of them. So I feel like she could just potentially get to, like, more offensive positions in these 50-50s that Raquel's always in. So I like Ketlin here. Slight favorite. I'm kind of, like, waiting in the wings. This is a bet I will make, though, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I like the Ketlin side. I'm, you know, obviously it was that close to evens and now it's, you know, you got to lay a quarter. So I'm looking around, I'm seeing, you know, I think there's like two reaction on this fight. So, but I'll, I'll take Ketlin here. It looks like we're going head to head there. Um, but look, I do agree that she's the better grappler. I just think that Vieira doesn't leverage that nearly as much as she should have. I mean, she took down home one time, Misha zero times. Yana three times and somehow lost the fight. Um, and then she took down uh, Eubanks early on, but then gassed out. I think she's got a little bit of, I mean, maybe the cardio has gotten better over the five round fights, but I mean, uh, Eubanks and Yana, you know, she lost both of those round threes. So um, I don't know though. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't fault you for picking her at all. It'll inevitably be a close decision. And if one woman is winning 30, 27, I think it does have more potential to be your lady. Um, Fiera. The GTD there, honestly, is parlay material. Minus 300, that shit should be like minus 900, honestly. So, um, next fight, uh, middleweight division. Puna Riano taking on Roman Kopilov. Uh, Puna, the favorite, minus 155. Kopilov, plus 135. I know you're excited for this one. Let's hear some thoughts. Yeah, I've been a fan of Puna's. You know, he's got a lot of skills, but some in these fights kind of don't always, you know, work out all the way together. Roman haven't ever really liked this guy all that much. I think in his last fight, I think I I, I think you picked Alessio though, and I picked Roman, and he I thought that was a good fight overall from the both of them, like entertain like entertainment wise. But I just thought that you know, and at the end, Jericho was like fuck it, kind of got knocked out. But it didn't really teach me that much about Roman. You know, this is a southpaw versus southpaw fight. I feel like. Puna's just going to be able to do what he wants in terms of kind of like pick and choose when he wants to engage. I think he is the rightful favorite. I think he should be favored probably a little bit more just because Roman doesn't do that much attritional work. He's kind of like a back foot counterfighter, doesn't have a lot of power in his hands, doesn't look to have very dangerous submission grappling, um, and his cardio doesn't look overwhelming either. Um, so I feel like Puna has a lot of advantages here. And a lot of advantages that um, are very uh, clear in the kind of fight 
that is going to break out here. So I like him here actually as a favorite price. Um, it's, it's been coming down. So looks like maybe not a fight that you need to jump on if you do like Puna. But I feel like he, even though Roman does have more experience than Puna, feel like overall Puna has more to give and should have a I think uh, an improvement here in uh, in the performance. Um, yeah, I'm in agreement with most of that. I mean, I, I definitely think the Kopilov is better than I once expected, and he's probably consistently getting better, uh, too. I mean, the guy is, you know, I, th- I don't even think he's like 30 yet, right? No, no, he's 31. Um, but I, I think he is getting better fight to fight, and that was evident in his last fight at ADC. And, um, you know, I think I have an angle for this fight. That would be a Puna live bet. And that would be just because uh, Kopilov's offense is like a lot of blitzes, right? Like you saw that in the early round versus. Uh, ADC, he was able to just blitz and throw, you know, some body kicks and some uh, two or three punch combinations. And he was darting in and out with that kind of karate style. And he was able to, you know, land some nice shots uh, while doing that. But then in round two, you saw those blitzes kind of drop off. And he doesn't really have consistent offense outside of those blitzes. So Puna being a guy who does tend to start maybe a little slow, you know, Dalsha one round one off of him. I think there could be an angle here for Kopilov, uh, maybe just starting fast, being a little janky, Puna having trouble figuring him out, and then eventually Puna will take over in the later rounds, rounds two and three. Obviously, the risk there is that a Puna could just, you know, knock him dead in the first round, but I think, uh, you know, I don't think Kopilov is a guy whose style is is built for, for uh, building into fights better. I think it's the opposite way. He's built better for starting fast, and that means that you're probably better off, uh, you know, mitigating a little bit of the risk and waiting to live bet uh, on Puna live here. Um, I think Puna has, you know, grappling upside here as well, right? Uh, he he does come from a wrestling background, has wrestled to win fights in the past, and uh, Kopilov was, uh, you know, taken down a lot by Duryev. Uh, Carl Roberson fucking out grappled and subbed him back in the day, so I think that grappling hole is probably still there that Puna can explore. Who are you so. picking to win this fight? Puna. John. Puna for sure. Okay. Uh, Puna KO two. I'll go picking him to win. Uh, yeah. Okay. Puna KO. Two. What, what are the? Uh, I think the, actually the. Not yeah. Somebody was talking about the GTD. I think the 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 ITD tempo. Puna is gonna win this are, fight. Are priced accurately. I think so too. But fight. I've been. Uh, but what's bad for you is I think that, and I've been wrong about Kopilov a few times. Puna, I, maybe I shouldn't be so Puna, harsh on myself. I bet against. I bet on Duraev against Kopilov, an easy winner. Puna is going to um, win this fight. Probably. Um, don't think he's an easy click at minus 150, though, right? Not like easy. No will win this fight. Uh, co-main event time, featherweight division, banger of a fight, Dan Ige taking on Damon Jackson. Um, the line for this one, Ige minus 116, Jackson minus 104. A shitload of line movement coming in on this fight. Jackson apparently opened minus 160. Ige was immediately steamed. Jackson went to a dog price, and then he got bet back this week. So, I mean, throughout the past few weeks, waves of action have been coming in on both different fighters. So, clearly a very uh, polarizing fight here. And um, I've done some tape, and I will be confirming the pick as Damon Jackson, the leech. Um, I just think, obviously, the grappling onslaught of of Damon is going to be too much for Ige. And I recognize that that is, you know, Jackson's pretty much only path. Uh, Ige can win this fight in a few different ways, but for Jackson to win, he has to get his grappling going. 
Um, so because he's he's at a striking disadvantage here, Ige is going to be the better striker by a decent margin. Ige is a pretty good body puncher, and we saw uh, Jackson have a lot of trouble with that against Taporia. So being this fight being on the feet is not going to be good for Jackson. Um, I don't think he's going to be in in imminent danger of being knocked out at, at all times, but he's he's going to get hurt and the fight's not going to go his way. So um, he needs to get the fight into grappling. And I think he will because Danny Gay's takedown defense is not great. And I think that he is a, a good overall defensive grappler. He has good awareness and when he's in bad positions on the ground, but I think he's kind of slow in the scrambles at times. Once he initially gets taken down, he might go to his knees and kind of stay there for a second and then he'll give up his back and get his back taken. That's what Korean zombie was able to do to him several times in that flight. And that was really the fight that made me confirm Damon Jackson in this spot, because I just think that if Jackson gets takedowns, Ige will open up opportunities uh, for his back to be taken. And I think Damon's going to take, back and um in the Argetta fight uh Damon took the back for you know seven eight nine minutes in that fight he had the body triangle for long periods of time he was feeling it a little bit in round three there in his legs um but also at the same time Damon Jackson versus Charles Rosa was uh in a high high-paced grappling fight he got his head split open was leaking pints of blood and he was still the one pushing the tempo and winning round three so I don't think Damon's cardio is too much to worry about and i just trust him to just shoot takedowns and you know pursue a relentless grappling onslaught here for 15 minutes and i think that should be good enough to get the job done against danny gay uh but it, it, it's a close matchup it's a really good fight uh appropriate fight for being co-main event good matchmaking by the ufc and i'm really really looking forward to this one i'm sure you're feeling along the same lines ozzy very intriguing fight to uh have been put together obviously yeah Line movement thing was, you know, very interesting, you know, kind of topped off at about a week ago, no week ago, last weekend, this weekend, past weekend, was plus money. And now, you know, the pick and price. And, you know, I was thinking this potentially could get back to plus money for Damon. And I hope it does. I am also going to confirm the pick is Damon Jackson, specifically Damon Jackson by submission at plus 700. Wow. I would like that as well um, to pair on top of um, the money line price. And, you know, just the reasoning here is that gay, you know, well-rounded guy, but overall his skill level in all the is just not extremely high. And when he does try to press, um, you know, put the foot down, he makes mistakes is like the easiest way to for me to put it. You know, he knows he's not like he's not there whether it be with the striking or with the grappling or whatever it is, and that's when he gets countered on the feet. And that's when he gets taken down. And that's when he gets gives up, you know, dominant positions because he's looking for like a, the shortcut, you know, when he's fighting uh, Chang Sung Jung, right? He he knows that, you know, how to get out, but he knows he's not get, getting out in the conventional way against a guy who's just better grappling than him. And I think it's going to be very apparent when he starts grappling that Damon is a better grappler than Dan Ige. Um, this is going to be a sweaty fight. I think that you're not going to be super comfortable the whole time, you know, thinking that Damon's going to hold on to win and all these things. So I wouldn't invest heavily into this one, especially now that you have to maybe lay juice on Damon. So I'll take a little bit of the money line um, just because I think he is the right side. Um, and then I'll, I'll pair it with that prop. By submission, so that if he does get one of these like front choke, you know, front choke position, something like that, guillotine, 
um, rear naked choke, whatever it is. Um, you know, I feel really good about it, but uh, I'll ride a small play on the money line. Yeah, sick fight to, to kick things off. Dan Nige is in a little bit of a hole and um, doesn't feel good to be getting against them with his back against the wall here a little bit. Um, You're not but, coming uh, in his hole. to do it anyway. You're not coming in his hole. <laughs> um, main event time is now apparently a light heavyweight fight. Supposed to be uh, Nasruddin Imovov taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum got kneed in the face in training or something like that. Lost a tooth. Sean Strickland took the call. Main event. Back-to-back main events for Sean Strickland. And, um, yeah, obviously we're not excited to watch another Sean Strickland fight. Ozzy might be. He seems to like the guy more than I do. But these guys' fights are fucking boring. But luckily, on the other side, we have Imavov, uh, the French uh, Muay Thai striker with uh, nasty front chokes, who is just dripping in swag as he fights. And we will definitely be cheering for Imavov on this uh, this podcast. Um, The line, though. Pick them on this one, minus 110 both sides. And uh, it's your turn to start this one off. Man, you were talking a lot. I'm like, where is he going with this? Is he just going to take off with it? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. It's like a fucking, I did not it's know. like back in the old school days and you they would put up like the rocket launching and nothing would happen. They're like, what's going on here? Anyway, so yeah, unfortunately, I, I bet on uh, Sean Shirk in his last fight. I thought he won. That fight was bullshit. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. So, you know, I th- it left a sour taste in my mouth, to be honest with you. And I don't really like this fight overall. So, you know, Imavov, though, you know, I really like him as a fighter. I was heavy, heavily, uh, not pro, like I was heavily against ever even considering betting on Kelvin Gaslam. But people were doing it. And I'm like, man, I think you guys don't learn a lesson here. Um, but here against Sean Strickland, it's just, guy, I... Sean Strickland is a tough test for like these younger fighters, but I think I would still side with Imavov here overall. Um, just, but I, I think the only way I would play him is like inside the distance in like what would end up being maybe like a sloppy fight. Maybe some grappling happens. Maybe like he gets on, onto one of those chokes or something like that, or he clips Sean when Sean's trying to, you know, maybe come in too much. Honestly, man, I don't really like the fight overall. It's it's hard for me to get the right feel for it. I think I would just kind of side with, you know, Imavov trying to finish Strickland. You know, if he does get an opening, which I do think Strickland will be maybe a little bit more aggressive just because, you know, this is not, you know, Jerry Cannonier or a guy who, you know, is known to uh, knock a lot of guys out. But I don't know. These Sean Strickland fights, I feel, have been a little bit strange overall, you know. I lose, I Very lose strange. fucking, you know, a four-figure bet because Sal Diamato is a, a a decision to Jack Hermanson. Fucking man. What was that bet? Minus five and a half handicap. Oh, right, right. Sean Strickland. That is fucking. Bro, what was yeah. that? So, I don't know, man. Like, bad stuff. No, that, was, that wasn't that was Sal Diamato, by the way. Yes, it was, I think bro. It was, Chris Lee. it was Chris Lee. Oh, no, it was Sal Diamato. Whoever the fuck it was. One of them. One of those fucks. Oh, I just have a bad t- feel for them sometimes, and I don't like the fight honestly. And then it being you know two hundred five, I like Imavov. I've made a lot of money on Imavov. That was one of my best bets. Him versus um Edmund, easy money, easy money. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. You're I right. I'm right. Fuck. I didn't want it to be true. No. Anti-Italian discrimination. No. Um, but yeah, it was him. Um. But yeah, I mean, you, you just mentioned it. Strickland is the type of guy where he's now had two fights 
um, two main events where one judge thought he was winning four rounds to one. Some people thought he won five zero, and then uh, somehow a judge thought he lost three two. Weird man, it's like versus... it's like it's like the Philly shell bullshit that he does, and give him credit when he does land punches, and like they credited Jared with like a ton of body strikes, and I'm like, when did he land the body? Like I was watching if I'm trying to, I was trying to like I didn't, I don't know how I thought Strickland clearly won, clearly. I had a I, I don't I don't know about clearly. I don't know. I thought um I had Cannoneer winning the fight live. I actually did have him win at four one too. Um but uh I mean it's just the guy Strickland, he fights in such like a an ambiguous way that somehow these these scorecards are always up in the air. So that's not something you can feel really good about. Um unless he's just wa- wiping a guy out. It seems like any type of close round means that it could be a split round in Sean Strickland fights because the guy doesn't fucking sit down on his shots. He does he throws out the same jab one two over and over again hundreds of times a fight with no adaptations and no real you know power behind any of the punches. So I think we're getting to a point where, you know, he's probably not a guy you want to be back in. Uh, and I just feel if this fight is going to be a live bet fight, man, I feel like Strickland is a thousand percent going to be a better price live at some point than he is before the fight. Um, like at some point in the fight, he's going to go to plus money at some point and, you know, possibly way higher. So. If you like Strickland, I would honestly wait. I think Imavov is definitely the more likely to start fast and to win the early rounds. Um, you got to be concerned that Mavlov, I mean, he slowed down in the Buckley fight. Around three, that Buckley, he good. lost that fight. That was a good fight. He was getting hit in the, the Buckley fight. I mean, his chin looked really good. He ate some big, he ate like a huge knee at one point from Buckley and didn't really even look hurt. So uh, I think Mavlov is durable. Um, he's definitely probably taking the cardio a lot more seriously after, you know, kind of gassing out in his last fight. And uh, he's now preparing for five who, rounds. He's been preparing Martian, for, this fight for who, a while. Who, who between these two guys? Is it more likely to win a UFC belt? Um, Imavov, I guess. Imavov, but I mean, it's pretty. It's like it's it's pretty low. It's not, I would say. I mean, not, not that eating. much more likely than Strickland. You think? I think it's twice as likely. But anyway, we're talking about like six percent versus three percent uh, chance of winning it. Um, yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah, I mean, I think Imavov, um, I think he'll be landing the harder shots here early. Obviously, I think he just throws and lands with harder intent. Um, and I think that'll be enough uh, to maybe win them the early rounds here. But, man, once this gets into round three, I think it's going to get hairy. I think the the experience uh, of Strickland might take over, and he probably should have the cardio advantage here. I would not bet on Sean Strickland pre. pre no. no, for sure. I would not oh, wait, let me, let me finish. Um. The cardio dynamic is interesting, though, because you, you involved there is some footage of him slowing down. Um, but then Strickland, on the other hand, wasn't even training for this fight and took it on a week's notice. So his cardio might not be in as good shape as well. Um, but to me, Strickland strikes me as a guy who he was probably back sparring like two days after that cannoneer fight. Like this guy just spars every day. I don't think Strickland's going to be out of shape. I think he's going to be ready to go the full five. I'm not as confident as that about Imavov, but I do have a bet on the fight. It is for the fight to start round four, um, minus one to two. So they think it's a 45% chance this fight ends in the first three rounds. I think that's fucking insane. Uh, I mean, I think Imavov has a slight chance of finishing early on, but I mean, Strickland finishing Imavov early seems like 
not impossible, but it's, it would it would extremely shock me for that to happen. So uh, the only finishing threat early, I think, is him evolve, and I just don't think it's as high as forty five percent. So I'm playing the fight to start round four minus one thirty two, um, one point three two units, and um, you know that'll be my main bet on the fight. I just think all the overs are good. Starts four, five, and GTD are all good. I think this one is going to be a five round decision, probably a split decision with how we know Sean Strickland fights go too as well. So go Imovolve. Um, any closing thoughts? No. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have, we haven't discussed this off air, but I say, how about we, how about we stop doing the, the best bet parlay thing, uh, this year? I don't think it's really worth it. Do you? Up to you. I don't know. If I were to pick one though. Now we're. Okay. I yeah, were to pick ahead. one. It would be. It would probably been like between Poon. Like I like the size like Puna, Ketlin. Um, Hassan, Carlos, Carlos Hernandez, but probably Puna. I think Puna's gonna win that, but obviously, I'm looking at a little bit shorter, though. Shorter price, not a big outlay, yeah. though. Not a big outlay on this card. This is not the best card. Yeah, I'm gonna be on um the, the Johnson over uh the GTD and Hernandez. Uh, I'm already on that one. Um, yeah, possibly that under and the Bashra fight, I might tell you on that Al Hassan oh, yeah, money line, Barcelos money line. I'm going to end up on, uh, Raquel money line, Jackson money line. And, uh, that starts around four in the main event. So for these, for these like fight cards, action. like I try to only be like four to six bets, maybe, you know, I'm trying to get, yeah, you crazy. I think I'll probably be like six to eight. So, but only maybe, uh, eight units total. So, um, Anyway, good to be back. Good to be back discussing fights with you, Ozzy. We will be making, uh, grinding out some more podcasts as the year goes on. Hopefully these fights get a little bit better because kind of a lackluster start to the year and not a whole lot uh, to look forward to on the upcoming calendar. But um, hopefully it's a good year betting to keep the juices flowing because, you know, some of these matchups just don't really get uh, the juices flowing. So uh, anyway. I hope everyone enjoys the card this weekend. Hope you all win some bets. Start the year off 2023 with a bang. And we will see you before the next UFC event. Uh, the return to Brazil. First time in three years for the UFC in Brazil. Really excited for that next week. So we will see you all then. Peace out, everybody.